Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. Our panel is light this week. Rebecca Lynch is, well, she's visiting a high school today uh, talking about what she does for a living to the kids. So uh, we, we think that's awesome. Unfortunately, she can't be here today. She'll be back next week. But we do have Robert Craig, our Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert, good to see you. Great to see you, Matt, and to speak virtually to everyone in the, on the airwaves and the Internet, as my mother calls them, the Internet. So um, we have uh, a, a great show today, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's been going on around Kimberly-Clark. We've talked a lot about this, and in particular, what's been happening with the steelworkers uh, up there in their contract negotiations with Kimberly-Clark. And Kimberly-Clark's the company that's threatening to downsize, and they're using the money from their Trump tax breaks to downsize, and uh, Walker and other politicians have been genuflecting about getting them a Foxconn deal, which they're not currently accepting, but what they are doing is, as Matt, you were getting to, trying to jam working folks who, who are members of the steelworkers in the Fox cities. So we're gonna t- we'll talk about that. We're also going to be joined um, by uh, Marina Dmitrievich from the Wisconsin Working Families Party to talk about a project we are doing with them to get people fired up about the governor's race. And then at, at the end of the show, we're going to do two segments um, with... Uh, Katie Dunn, who's uh, an organizer with our Healthcare for All co-op and a coalition that they are working with that includes the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Block. And we'll have uh, some guests in later in the show to talk more about what's been going on at St. Joe's and get into those details. So please stick around for that. But with that, Robert, let's, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what's been going on up at Kimberly-Clark. I know you've been tracking this, and so I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. Um, we've had uh, a ma- representative stuck on, talked extensively about um, Kimberly Clark and the Foxconn-like deal that the Republicans were pushing for them versus um, a, a, a different approach that uh, the Democrats have been going forward with. But this week, a lot of news erupted around what's been going on with what Kimberly Clark is doing with the steelworkers and collective bargaining and how this interacts with the potential for a Foxconn-like deal, tax deal for, for Kimberly-Clark. Educate our listeners a little bit as to, to what we're hearing. Yeah, so as listeners know, this is a major historic employer in Wisconsin and especially in the Fox Cities. Thousands many, of people up in the Fox many Cities. Many of us use thousand. their products, but people across the country do, kind of an iconic firm. And like a lot of firms, they you know, even though they're profitable, are seeking further Wall Street profits because there's no end to how much profit you can make. Look at the pharmaceutical industry. That's what Wall Street expects. And so taking their tax cut money from the Trump administration that was supposed to create jobs to eliminate jobs and to restructure. And so it obviously undercuts uh, Walker's Foxconn narrative, and we've certainly dug into Foxconn here. You have Walker trying to position for his reelection and Republicans that they're going to offer a Foxconn deal to Kimberly Clark, but they've not actually passed one, okay? And that's one of the critiques of, the, of our friends at the Steelworkers and District 2 Director Michael Bolton, uh, who's been quoted extensively in the press uh, up there. Um, there was also a Democratic alternative that was much more focused that was led by State Representative Amanda Stuck, who's a 
Northeast Wisconsin co-op member of Citizen Actions and a rising star, I would say, in the Assembly Caucus among the Democrats uh, that would focus on things that would make them more competitive rather than just give them these, you know, completely unaccountable tax breaks and, and, and subsidies, as Walker did with Foxconn, and as Trump did with his corporate tax cut, which has led to downsizing in this case, right? But in the midst of all of this, Kimberly Clark has nonetheless decided that it wants to cut $20,000 per worker That's in right. terms you heard of their that. compensation $20, value. $20,000 per worker. Which, by the way, even if the jobs are kept reduces the value of the jobs, stresses working families, and hurts the local community because it takes money out of the pockets of people who spend in their local communities, at local businesses. So it's part of the Walker race to the bottom, you know, uh, wage deflation strategy. It, Robert, it's even worse than that. When you start talking about $20,000, you're talking about starting to put people into places where they're going to start to need serious government services and supports, right? So you talk about a job that is a good... Um, Most of which Walker job. would like and, to cut as well. Right, and press, yeah. press this down into essentially jobs that uh, now start to put even increased stress on our social safety and net. And to give it another layer, this also happens to be geographic footprint of, I believe it's Senate District 19, is that the right number? Matt yep. follows the numbers better than I do. One of them. Which is... Uh, Roger Roth, the nephew of the former congressman Toby Roth, who is one of the most dangered Republicans, and he, of course, is positioning himself as, oh, trying to save the jobs at Kimberly Clark. And what's interesting is that, of course, the Republican plan would certainly, and would say if not passed, as uh, Director Bolton has pointed out multiple times, the director of the Steelworkers District 2 Council, uh, even though they haven't passed it, it certainly would not prevent... Kimberly Clark from still demanding these huge givebacks from the workers. So how is that in the public interest? Because Walker and company and the Republicans don't actually, they're anti-union and they don't care about whether workers make money, they care about corporations. And so really if there's going to be a Kimberly Clark package, it'd be better to do the Amanda Stuck version, it certainly should require that you not go and do this to workers because this is supposed to be on behalf of the workers. Well, look, this is, Robert, this gets to our long-term vision here at Citizen Action. We've talked about this, that if, we're, if there's going to be public subsidies, public money that goes towards creating opportunity, it damn well better create opportunity, right? And, it, and that the, opportunity is not... No other purpose not, for the government or democracy no. to be involved unless it's for the common good. Right. No corporation has a right to our money unless it's for some public interest. And the public interest here is to maximize with our leverage the number of family-supporting jobs available here in Wisconsin. I mean, look, the only reason you would give Kimberly Clark that kind of money is because of what you talked about, the, the role it plays in the community, the kind of jobs it plays, like that it's central to providing opportunity, not only for individuals, but for the community at and large. And, we, and if, if that goes away, there really is no point in even keeping a company around or having a subsidy. We shouldn't give we should invest. The Republicans want to give, right? Uh, because to them, what's good for corporations is good for the people, which is simply not true. A corporation does not have a mission of creating jobs. It creates jobs and good jobs as an after-effect, kind of an accidental after-effect of profit-seeking. And if there's more profit to be seeking by, sought by not doing it, then that's what they will do. If there's more profit from child labor, if it was legal again, they would do it. That is, uh, that's just a fact. And I've debated corporate CEOs who omit this uh, under under cross-examination and debate, okay? And so here's the thing. Uh, so I really think a Foxconn approach is misguided. What Amanda Stuck and the Democrats have been talking about very smartly because of Representative Stuck, in my opinion, is, okay, how do we make investments in making paper-making 
profitable and efficient in the 21st century so that we're helping Kimberly-Clark transition to being a 21st century employee that keeps jobs in the Fox Cities long term. That's a win-win. That helps Kimberly-Clark and, and it also helps uh, the community and it helps all of the workers and future workers at Kimberly-Clark as opposed to these sort of Foxconn deals where we give you, we, you let you raid the treasury, give you more money than we're giving to the UW system every year, and then we just mo mostly hope for the best because WEDEC is enforcing uh, any standard that might exist, as limited as they are. So we'll continue to watch the situation up at Kimberly-Clark as of recording, right? The Senate has not done anything. But with that, though, we want to... As usual, per <laughs> usual. We, we want to change gears before we go to break and set up sort of what we'll be talking about in our next segment. And uh, that is the elections. We want to focus a little bit back on that. Um, so we have special elections coming up here in Wisconsin. We've talked a bit about how Governor Walker attempted to try and not call these special elections. And courts forced him into doing that. And so we have two special elections, one in Senate District 1, which is uh, the Door County, Kiwanee area, and uh, the east suburbs of, of Appleton and Green Bay. Uh, and we plan on doing a lot of work in that area. And also, there's a special election in Assembly District 42, which is north of the Madison area. Uh, and we want you all to get involved. There is no way, right, we can keep winning elections without people power, because that is what turned the tide in Senate District 10. We're going to be doing phone banking, having phone banking opportunities for you from home in that race. That will start up next month, and so we want you to sign up for that. And we'll have a link on our webpage, so please go sign up and uh, prepare to get involved in this election. Also, we want to talk a little bit about the governor's race. So we have uh, talked a bit on the show about our process and what we're doing in terms of, we, as, in, as in Citizen Action of Wisconsin, right? In terms of trying to have uh, forums with our membership where we have co-ops around the state uh, with the gubernatorial candidates. Organizing co-ops. Yep, organizing co-ops. Thank you, Robert. Um, and really trying to inject our long-term agenda and our platform into this election. And so we really want to let folks know we are going to be continuing those forums. We'll have two more. There's going to be one scheduled in the Green Bay area, and then we'll have another one uh, in the Milwaukee area. And we want to encourage members when we schedule those uh, to attend and also have a link where you can go sign up if you want information as soon as uh, those forums are announced because we want to get you involved in that. Um, but the news this week, Governor-related, Robert, and uh, I'm going to tease our listeners. We'll talk more about it on the back end, but uh, Mayor Barrett from Milwaukee has suggested that maybe the mayor might be getting in. So I want to hear... You think that's the big news? I thought Mike Crute was Oh, the Mike big Crute. News. Oh, yes. Uh, we are on 1510. Yes. Oh, the big news. Mike Crute running for governor. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk more about this on the back end of our commercial because we got to go make Mike Crute some money. Hey, With that, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Before the break, I had just mentioned uh, the news of Tom Barrett potentially sticking his foot into the governor's uh, water this week. Robert. Um, Really? Are we, are we going to have Tom Barrett running again? Well, one never knows. It, we already have nine. 
that are viable, though some uh, some of the fifteen, sixteen, I believe, Robert. Come well, on, well, no, nine. Michael Crutes in we there a, now. No, no, we have a, we had a count of nine, yeah. so now we have to go to eleven, probably, uh, that have any chance of running a major campaign, including including Mike Crute. So we might as well. I mean, what's going to see nine and eleven at this point? Um, <laughs> We're, we're hoping the field will start narrowing at some point, but at this point, it's so wide open. Anyone who still has the gubernatorial itch or the bug uh, to be the chief executive officer of the state probably feels inclined to jump in, and maybe uh, Mayor Barrett and, and, and Mike Crude are not the last. Who knows? Well, look, folks, uh, we're going to, if these, if more jump in, We'll, we'll have matter forums. So again, want to remind you, if you are interested, we're going to have two forums uh, later on here at Citizen Action in the Green Bay, Milwaukee area. Please uh, check the link on our website. Let us know. We'll get the information out to you right away. Uh, but we want to actually uh, move slightly shift topics in our governor discussion here. Uh, Rebecca Lynch has come back from indoctrinating the kids at Rufus King about... Uh, bring your favorite uh, <laughs> radical to you're school gonna, day. You're going to get her in trouble <laughs> with right-wing radio. <laughs> so, Rebecca, welcome back from Rufus King. You were out uh, uh, talking to uh, the youth of America. Yeah, yeah. Those students are amazing, and yeah. they're going to take over the world. So. Well, I'm glad you did that. But let's talk a little bit about um, what the Working Families Party is doing. And uh, I want to remind our listeners, Citizen Action is a, a member and a partner within the Working Families Party. Uh, and... Working Families Party has been involved in a project with our Wisconsin Revolution called Wisconsin's Choice, which is really trying to help elevate the governor's race and get progressives involved. Let's talk a little bit more about it because you have a, a, a poll that's going on now and will continue to go on throughout this year. So tell, tell our listeners more about Wisconsin's Choice. Yeah, for sure. So this is not to be confused with Citizen Action's endorsement process. You guys have gone through a really robust uh, exercise pulling together a policy platform. You have your gubernatorial um, process endorsement process. You have your forums, um, and all of that is incredible to see. Uh, this is a slightly different effort, of which Citizen Action is also an important part. Uh, but we hear a lot on the left. There are so many groups. Everyone's doing all these different things. No one's on the same page. We're duplicating efforts. I don't think we're ever duplicating efforts, really, because there's just not enough of us. But uh, I do think that there is a need for us all to get on the same page. And by us all, I mean folks who are on the left flank of the Democratic Party and people generally who are unhappy with the direction that the state is going in and don't feel heard. And so that is um, part of what we're trying to do with Wisconsin's Choice. It is uh, open to all candidates. Um, the way we are structuring it is that there are various rounds of narrowing the field. I think it's a little overwhelming for many of us to have so many candidates. If I had to vote today, I'm not totally sure how I would vote. Luckily, we're not voting today. We're voting in that August. That was my next question, yeah. Rebecca. Damn it. No, okay, next. <laughs> so, so right now, um, you know, at the time that listeners are going to be hearing this, it'll be too late for the first round, but it's definitely not too late to get involved. We are in the process of voting to limit the field down to nine candidates. These will be the only nine candidates who are a part of our events moving forward who are eligible for the next round in a couple months, which will be nine down to four. And then hopefully, you know, if, if we get to a good place, it'll be four down to one in order for one candidate to get that um, quote-unquote endorsement or be the people's champion. You have to get over 50% of the people voting in that final round. And quick question, because yes. a lot of our, our listeners and progressives are parliamentarians uh, <laughs> by nature, unofficial parliamentarians. So 
I assume they have to have actually filed papers, so the two new candidates we just talked about haven't done so that I know of. Maybe Mike Crute has. I, don't, I know Barrett hasn't. Yeah, so we, we've got to... <laughs> <laughs> gotta love these um, procrastinators that we got in the field right now. <laughs> so this is a little unusual. Um, we don't often have this situation, so we've got to figure out, you know, if and how to engage any latecomers were they to file papers. Um, but for now, yes, we are not talking about crew. Though I do think we need more radio hosts <laughs> in the field. So Robert, Matt, oh, if you're interested well, in running Rebecca, for I was just going to nominate you. <laughs> well, I, some one of our members said in our office that Mike could be the the Trump of the left, and I assume that he meant. The metaphor that an entertainer and, 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 you know, pundit could become governor, not the other parts of the comparison with Trump. A fascist gas bag. Yeah, yeah, not that. Um, a, a metaphor is only one point. Use a comparison. You don't take on the qualities of the entire thing you're being compared so, to. So, Re Rebecca, let's talk a little more. One of the really important things Wisconsin's Choice is doing, um, and maybe you have some more information on this. It's not on the top of my head, but is we want to make sure through this process a couple of things happen. One... People like us, progressives, activists, people who are disenfranchised with what's been going on, get motivated, get educated. And we've been having a number of forums around the state where people can come and get involved. Do we have any that are currently scheduled that, that folks could, and we can put that on our website, but an opportunity, one, for folks to hear more about the candidates, two, get a chance to vote and express their opinion, but also to make commitments to volunteer, to get involved, because we cannot win without people power. And it's not enough just to say, I want you know this person to win. We need people to also put some, some legwork and some, some volunteerism behind that. Yeah, for sure. I actually don't have the list of events in front of me. I know we're going to be doing one in Ashland soon. Uh, we've got one in Racine uh, in the works on the criminal justice reform movement. Um, but you know, certainly we've done some really awesome events yep. in the past, including with the Citizen Action Healthcare Co-op and the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals yep. here. Um, so we'll make sure that... Here uh, as in Milwaukee. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. In the, in the place in which we are taping, yes, in Milwaukee. Um, so I'll make sure that you guys get some more information about that, um, you know, for the podcast notes and, and elsewhere. But really want folks to come out to that. Again, it is about getting folks involved. Uh, and what I love about this process is that it's very small D democratic. Anyone can be engaged. And so some of the rules that exist in our democratic system here uh, for voting that disenfranchise people. Maybe they're not documented. Maybe they're youth, high school students. Maybe they are on paper. Everyone can and should vote in Wisconsin's Choice, and we would love folks' in and input. Breaking, we have another special Woo! guest oh that Matt can introduce. Oh breaking my. news. Oh, hey, it's Marina studio. Dmitrievich, yeah. County Board Supervisor, Director of the Wisconsin Working Families, and late for her podcast show. No, Marina, we're glad you could make it. The uh, listeners we're, we're, don't know. I could have been here the whole they time. They do now. Come on. Doing no. the people's work. No, listen, uh, we're really glad you Thank could you. come and join us. Um, Rebecca's already told us a little bit about Wisconsin's Choice, mm -hmm. but uh, any thoughts you have about why you think you know this project's so important, but also maybe just the opportunity that really is in front of us as progressives. That's right. Um, I think folks are still trying to figure it out. I mean, who's going to break loose, who's gonna be on the top? Um, well, that starts with your own voice, your discussion, you putting out there what your values are. Uh, and already the Wisconsin's Choice Project has, uh, I think, been pretty instrumental in that. We're trying to pull the candidates to the left. I mean, we're, there's no, you know, there's, there's no joking about that. And when we put our values first, and we assert that that's the way and the path to victory, I mean, what does this blue wave mean? 
what is this populist leftist discussion and movement uh, going on and, and happening? What does it mean to you? And it, it's all about participation. So if we can get out there, put our values on the front, make sure the candidates align uh, with our values, I, I think there's a, um, there's a trend right now where people want to get real candidate specific. This isn't about the candidates, it's about the people of Wisconsin. <laughs> so where we want to get into each person's personal profile, it's more about what your voting profile is, what you're going to go to the polls in August, November and vote with. And I guess my last point is, let's not be disenchanted, overwhelmed, or even paralyzed by the fact that there's so many people in this race. Let's look at it as a unique, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to bring those candidates to the left, align them with our values, and finally take down Scott Walker. It's about this leftist movement, this populism, and economic message. So, Marina, you mean candidates are not like consumer products, <laughs> where you say, I like soft but firm toilet tissue, right? <laughs> and, and like bright color packaging, and like this kind of tie, and this you know age of person, et cetera. That it's actually about uh, who could beat Governor Walker, which I would submit is someone who would actually excite people about a bold agenda and uh, raise uh, tons of small contributions and inspire volunteers, and then someone who, by winning, could have a mandate to move the state forward and make fundamental reforms and changes. You said it much better than me in a different way. Let me use this term. We're looking for our political avatar, right? Mm -hmm. Who the people are going to direct, who's going to symbol symbolize and really you know, be outspoken about our values. That's the way we beat Scott Walker. Not the same old, same old, not the dance to the center. It's where people are at in Wisconsin right now, and that is a strong populist movement. And not just being against Scott Walker. Right. I mean, that was the downfall in 2016 was the campaign ended up being just a critique of Donald Trump. And you would think that would be, you know, like, like you know, <laughs> shooting fish in a barrel, but it, it wasn't without mm -hmm. a positive vision that broke through. I'm not saying that uh, Hillary Clinton didn't have one. It just wasn't campaigned on in terms of voter contact in the last month. Right. Well, with that, we have to take a break. And we want to thank you, Marina Dmitrievich from the Wisconsin Working Families Party for joining us to sure. talk more about Wisconsin's choice and for allowing us to uh, have Rebecca on this show every week. She's, she's awesome that you give us time to, to, to have Rebecca on. So thank you very much. And with that, we got to take a break. You are listening to the Battleground Wisconsin, and we are Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. And we are going to have a special section here where we have some special guests here in our recording studio um, to talk about what's been going on at St. Joseph's Hospital here in Milwaukee. Um, we mentioned this a little bit last week. Uh, St. Joe's is a absolutely critical hospital in Milwaukee, um, particularly within uh, Milwaukee's north side on our, in our predominantly African-American community. And um, St. Joe's announced, uh, actually Ascension, their large chain out of St. Louis, that they were going to essentially close major portions of the hospital, med surge, things like that. A lot of the things we think of when we have a hospital. Um, there is a huge community coalition that has uh, really sprung up with some of our coalition partners to try to help save the hospital. 
And so we have them here today, and I want to introduce them, and we're going to talk with them a little bit more about the news yesterday that uh, St. Joe's is going to pause and, and, and get into this in detail. So with that, I want to introduce everyone who's here. We're going to start with Katie Dunn, who is our healthcare uh, cooperative organizing director. And so, Katie, welcome to the, uh, the uh, Battleground Wisconsin. It's great to be here. So why don't you tell us, first of all, we have uh, two members of the coalition that are here today. Tell us a little bit more about the coalition and introduce our members of the coalition. Sure. So when we first got the news um, about the St. Joe's being gutted, essentially, we immediately reached out to our very close allies at Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals. In fact, we had reached out to them before, and they had reached out to us before this was ever public, because as Candace said, um, who is the president of the nurses union, as she said, there were a lot of red flags. And so we were dealing behind the scenes before this announcement ever took place. And so sitting to my left is Nate Gilliam uh, from Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and across the table is Arkesia, who is from Block, which is... Black Leaders Organizing in Communities. Yep, and they do a lot of canvassing and talking to folks in the Northside community. And so those are the first folks we reached out to, and also Marquesa, who couldn't be here this morning with African American Roundtable. And that's kind of our coalition of four organizations. And we have other organizations um, who we're also working with, but those are the ones whose logo is actually on the website. The big news this week was that St. Joe's announced on Wednesday that they're going to pause in their plans to get rid of uh, these, a lot of these key parts of the hospital. We'll, we'll go first to Arkesia. Talk a little bit more about your initial response to hearing that there's going to be a pause and, and what you believe this means. Sure, I'd be happy to share uh, my opinion about this pause. Um, although I am excited that they, that they decided to pause and um, step back from the table on phasing out these departments, I took it as a moment for us to continue to mobilizing the people in the community. I do not think they will change their plan, but again, I'm taking it as a time to gather people and to attend um, future community meetings that's coming up. So tell us a little bit about what Block is doing and, and how you see this as a huge opportunity to, to organize folks. Most definitely. Well, with Block, um, we are a new organization. We've been around for only four months. Um, almost five months. But so far, we have been that organization that has been in the community um, nonstop, right? We started in November. November 28th was our first day out in the community, and we have been in the community every day, building those relationships, actually taking the time to listen to the people, not tell the people what to do. And so as we build building those strong relationships in the, the black community, which is Zip codes 53206, 810, which is also where St. Joseph is. And by the way, I live four blocks from St. Joseph, so I could literally walk there. So the relationships we have been um, building and developing in those communities, uh, we are able to go back and have that conversation. Hey, did you know the hospital is about to close? And actually, majority of the people have not known, have not heard of anything about the hospital closing. Um, since the weather has gotten bad, we have been able to call people um, that reside around the hospital, um, and they don't know. And if I live four blocks away and I don't know, I realize 
people that also live four blocks away from the east and the north side, they don't know. So we are making that impact with the people in my community, our community, people that live in the community of the hospital and engaging them and encouraging them to come out, come out and meet us and let's have this conversation and let's mobilize and continue pushing back uh, because this hospital is very important to our community on many reasons. Well, that obviously sounds critical, right? It's great to hear that you're there and that we're educating. It's, it's, it's concerning, right, that there's so many of us don't know what's going on, right? That's why the coalition work you're all doing is really critical. Nate, I want to get to you real quick. Uh, the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals obviously has a lot of experience dealing with ascension. Could you talk more about sort of your involvement and just sort of hoping and, and what your hopes are for where we can positively go to try to address this with them? Right. Uh, yeah. So kind of to, to piggyback off of some of what Arkesia said, like I'm a uni unique uh, union organizer in a way that I'm, I'm native from Milwaukee. I've been here all my life, growing up on the north side. My son was actually born at St. Joe's Hospital. So this is kind of a, a personal thing along with like with my work, uh, you know, we both know how devastating it would be to cut any services from this hospital. And so, you know, just reaching out to different people and trying to get them involved in this coalition to me was very important. It was very important that the, the community be on top of this or be engaged in this situation. And like Arkesia is saying, a lot of people don't know about the reduction of services or what is going on with the hospital. And, you know, and this is kind of a continuation of things that happened on the north side of Milwaukee. So um, for me, I work directly at St. Francis Hospital. I work with Ascension uh, in a lot of meetings with management and presidents and and different things like that And so a lot of people, you know in my you know short expense experience of being a union organizer We've seen a lot of things that you know They say certain things and then we see the opposite of whatever they say happen So for us working and dealing with Ascension, we've done a lot of research on a national level We see what they're doing in Michigan and what you know right now I think they propose over 500 job cuts in, in the state of Michigan uh, really consolidating a lot of different things of, you know, they have a, a history um, in that state that has been negative and also very much picking on low-income uh, communities in terms of, you know, uh, shutting down services that, that would impact the community and different things like that. So we knew that, that we had to engage in this situation, not only just for the workers or even a potential of organizing workers, but the impact that it would mean for healthcare in uh, Milwaukee area. So, um, Nate Artesia and Katie, Ascension is the largest nonprofit hospital chain in the country. This is something huge. And they recently took over Wheaton Franciscan, which used to have a whole lot of hospitals in the Milwaukee area. And the hospital industry overall is extremely profitable. In fact, Ascension as a whole is extremely profitable. Um, I was just looking at some information that Congressman Moore's staff sent over on this. And the hospital industry has increasingly become profit-centered. They're supposed to be nonprofits. They're supposed to act in a public interest. They claim a charitable mission. They're, they don't pay property taxes. They don't pay income ta in taxes on their revenue. They, they pay huge salaries for their CEOs. And yet they are really undercutting their whole mission here because we have huge health disparities in Milwaukee, and they're pulling out the, the, the major, one of the major hospitals that provides access to care in Milwaukee. And this... For people outside who, uh, of Milwaukee, this has been a big problem in rural areas, too. Mm -hmm. And so there's just a whole issue with this St. Louis-based giant thing, how the community can even influence it, right? right? But it really does seem to be a business model. And the shocking thing is, is that 
Columbia St. Mary's, which according to their numbers has lost more money, which is on the north side in a white neighborhood on the lake, they're moving services to it, and then they cut services uh, and cut most of what you would think constitutes a hospital in the African-American community. So you talked about the community campaign and everything, but oh, what is your sense here about the state of the hospital industry and what this says about our need to organize and fight back for access to health care as a human right in this country? Yeah, I, I agree fully with that. I think, um, I think, yeah, you, you raise good questions in terms of, you know, their decisions to make cuts at St. Joe's are, are you know, they're a nonprofit Catholic hospital and they're saying they're losing money and they were gifted a system. You know, that, that's an incredible thing to say to people and try to position, you know, their argument for cutting services. And that's something that, you know, I think we need to raise up to the community to say, hey, you know, they they only see this as like numbers where these are people's lives that you are actually impacting or even healthcare as a whole. So it's it's an awful and it's situation. not even numbers, right? Because they're supposed to be a charitable organization. Right. They get all the benefits of that. They're overall quite profitable as a chain, but then they choose to, to, to not do the one thing they could do to provide a charitable mission, that is provide care to the people who need it most and don't have it. Yeah, and I think it's also important to know, like, this is not, we're not starting at zero here, right? They've already cut hospitals, they've closed St. Mike's, um, and they've been starving St. Joseph's. You know, they keep saying, oh, we have empty beds, people aren't coming, and some people in the community don't trust St. Joseph's for uh, good reasons. Um, and what we're saying is, you know, this move to cut surgery and inpatient is just another cut. They've been starving St. Joseph Hospital, and now they're pointing at it and saying, look, it's starved, we should shut it down. And so what we're really pushing for is to maintain surgery and inpatient and get the resources it needs to be a thriving hospital and not just use it as an excuse to shut you know, the whole thing down eventually. With that, we got to take a quick break. We are going to come back for a whole other segment to talk more with Arkesia, Nate, and Katie about this uh, issue on at St. Joe's. And you're listening to The Battleground, Wisconsin. Welcome back to The Battleground, Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. So we are very fortunate to have uh, three guests in with us today talking about the situation at St. Joseph's Hospital in Milwaukee. Um, but as we were talking about beforehand, this isn't just about what's going on at St. Joe's. This is happening in all of our communities around our healthcare system and really taking on to what is a, quite frankly, a profit-seeking uh, system that does not always serve the needs of our communities. And that is clearly what's going on here at St. Joe's. So want to talk and get into um, where we're at in terms of, right, this whole idea that we have a, a system that is moving, tr moving out of a community and leaving a whole community without care and what that does not only to, to, to that community but the broader system of hospitals. Um, so this is a pause. Talk to us a little bit, um, and, and I'll throw this to anyone, about you know, sort of what's next and what would we like to see out of people in terms of trying to get the community involved because pause was the key word they used, which means we need to be vigilant and be pushing forward. Arkesia. Yes, with the excitement of the word pause. So they'll take a pause while we constantly uh, reaching out to the people in the community, um, engaging them to attend our first community meeting, which we are planning on um, April the 24th at 6 p.m. Uh, we, we will have that meeting at Park Lawn Assembly of God. That address is at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard. 
we are asking people to come and participate in an open conversation on um, the plans that um, they're phasing out of departments they are planning to move forward. Um, we just want the community to be in engaged, informed, and hopefully that will motivate them to do something about it. Join a coalition and help push back on these large um, corporations or companies or organizations that want to close uh, hospitals in the black community. People don't really understand, um, if you don't live in a black community, the hardship that we have faced over the years. As a uh, American, a black American, born and raised in Milwaukee, um, we have constant we have always been in a fight. We always have to fight for everything, just to ride the city bus, to get a job. Now we have to fight to keep a hospital open? That makes no sense. Um, I, guess I have a lot of personal stories um, with St. Joseph, but my stories have been great. My family have, thank God, received great care. Um, and some of the family members I have a, a brother-in-law that actually went to the hospital. He has C COPD, and actually he couldn't breathe. And he drove two blocks, couldn't breathe, left the car running, and ran into the ER, passed out. They knew who he was, right? So they was able to tell what he's allergic to, what, what's wrong with them. The security guard knew who he was, parked the car, put the keys up, and by the time we got there, he was incubated. We didn't think he was going to make it, but they took very good care of my brother-in-law. He made it. And we are thankful they knew who he was. They know his record. He has been able to build that relationship with the, with the workers there. So if that hospital is gone, what's going to happen to my brother-in-law when next time he have a crisis? So that is one story I'm willing to share. But imagine the other family members whose kids have asthma who, whatever emergency they have, they have built that relationship with that hospital. So with a hospital taking away um, acute ICU and all these important departments, it's going to hinder our, our community. Businesses are going to close. Um, workers, you know, they have a lot of barbershops and beauty salons over there off of Burley. Beautiful. A lot of um, small businesses over there. What's going to happen to them? Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting. One of the folks who had uh, put their information on our website, which, by the way, is savestjoes.org. Uh, that's savestjoes.org. Um, and people write their stories about what St. Joe's means to them. And I thought it was really interesting that people said, you know, this brings down the property values of our homes in this area, right? Like, this is widespread. And, um, again, this is about this very large corporation um, putting costs onto the community at the same time that they don't pay the community's taxes, right? And so, um, you know, and it's the issue of, yes, they are saying they're gonna keep the emergency room open, it is the busiest in the city, um, and that they're gonna keep the labor and delivery uh, units open because, you know, they're known as the baby hospital and that's still lucrative to them. But I just wanna flag, you know, if, if you know, in your case, your family member who went in, went to the emergency room, once they stabilize him, right, then then what, right? He's got to go to surgery. He's got to go to inpatient once he's stabilized. That's going to be a very expensive ambulance ride. And when we brought this up to the administrator head guy at St. Joe's, it was, oh, we hadn't thought of that. 
Um, because again, it's just pushing the cost off on to the people who can afford it the least. Um, and so I think that's important because I, I can just hear them now. They're listening to this podcast. They're like, but we're not shutting down the emergency room. Well, we know that, um, at least for now. Right. Uh, but it, it, you know, you're shutting down a lot of other stuff. And again, you've been starving the hospital for a really long time. Right. Um, yeah, I, you guys are saying it all almost, <laughs> but, uh, one other thing I think about too is that um, you know, you know, Milwaukee is small, and you're able to talk to people that you know actually work in the hospital. And again, I, I work at St. Francis, working with Ascension, and um, you know, we have to fight for everything that's in our contract. I can only imagine, you know, the kind of things that people face with within, um, you know, working at St. Joe's and the things they have to face, the, the different workers and, and stories that we're hearing on the sideline about what's going on on the inside. So, you know, I, I kind of hear quotes from, um, you know, elected officials talking about, you know, you know, yeah, it's good to hear Ascension out, but I, I would want them to talk to the people that are going to be impacted the most, some of the workers that work in that, uh, that hospital and, you know, and the patients and the people in the community, and, you know, implore them to do that, not well, just talk to execs. You bring up a great point, right? When I read a lot of this press about this, it's Ascension this, Ascension that, they talk about St. Joe's like they say Ascension. It, you know, they bought this thing. This thing is a community asset, right? They were gifted it. They yeah. excellent point. Right. Um, this is, and, and that's where this fight and the power of what you're all fighting comes out, that this is the community's hospital. It really isn't their hospital. Right. They just happen to be the latest person in trust to the community is allowing to help run and shepherd it in this system, which we, and what this brings up is, is really sick, the health system, right? Our healthcare system and that we could be in this situation. Um, and, and so they, they found that out hard, the hard way, just how deeply embedded my mother worked at St. Joe's. I was born at St. Joe's. My kids were born at St. Joe's. All my siblings were born. I mean, and there's a lot of stories like this throughout the community. And I think they completely underestimated that, that this is not Ascension's Hospital, really. It is our community hospital, and that is the call of what you all are, are doing and that we have to have to do, because that's the power. That's why they stopped. I also do want to just give a quick shout-out before I um, turn it back to the uh, uh, coalition for any final thoughts, but um, to the local elected leaders that weren't all necessarily right there right away, but really did speak up and have have also played a role in joining with the community to be better voices for us. We need to stay on them to make sure they <laughs> keep doing that. So, uh, uh, Katie, back to you real quick. for final thoughts. Yes, uh, real quick, I want to thank DeVette and Anthony on Citizen Action staff because they have been organizing really hard in the Northside community. We would not be here without them. Yep. I also wanted to real quick bring up, um, you know, they're saying, oh, phase one is the cut and phase two are, is this, like, community gardens maybe maybe we'll rent spaces out and we'll have an incubator of small businesses or something like that it's amazing that they think that replaces surgery right right like it does not replace surgery um and again they're saying well we have all these open rooms um i had at one point to my horror that they want to turn it into a homeless shelter right. and that may seem great uh first but I worked in Washington, D.C. Look up D.C. General. It's right. awful. Right. It's awful. And so, you know, they're very vague and promising all ponies and rainbows in phase two. And when it comes down to it, they've taken, they want to take away surgery and inpatient and add seven primary care physicians. Okay. That is, you know, that seesaw is way tipped. 
Um, and so I just want to say, you know, when you hear these things about, oh, maybe we'll do this and maybe we'll do that, you know, take it with a grain of salt and, and look at the record of this organization. And let's make sure that, you know, if they really do want to take on the social determinants of health, you know, even if you start eating fruits and veggies today doesn't mean that you don't need surgery tomorrow. Right. One other, uh, well, several other points I want to make. I, you know, yeah, to Katie's point, but I think um, in a lot of ways, you know, we're looking at the health disparities in the black community on the north side. I, I'm, I, I would hope that this coalition pushes for an expansion of services at St. Joe's mm, Hospital. Yes. Not, you know, yes, we save these current services, but there's no, I think 53210 had like one of the highest inf black infant and mortality uh, rates in, in the whole country. So I think, um, you know, besides that and other health disparities, we really need to be pushing for better health care in the black community. And one thing we, we, we can't dig into now, but not taking the Medicaid expansion money definitely affects the finances of a hospital like St. Joe's. So this right. does go on politicians like Walker. Right. So again, want to remind folks, April 24th, Park Lawn, 3725 Sherman. At what time again? 6.30. 6.30. Again, April 24th, folks, please get out uh, from the community and let's uh, build a coalition that can get where we need to go. Again, also go to savestjoes.org and uh, sign up. Tell us your story. With that, though, we want to thank you all for coming in and, and talking to us, educating us today, but also for just orga helping organize this coalition and fight back. So really appreciate that uh, today. Uh, but with that, we have to go. We're, we're running late. So again, you're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin, and we will see you next week here at The Battleground Wisconsin.